the Agadah Shal Pesach is a very ancient work. The Mishnah discusses the existence of the, the structure of the Agadah Shal Pesach. However, <clears throat> the reality is that we don't have any copies uh, of an actual Haggadah that was used uh, 2,000 years ago. So what is... Sure. So what is the latest, the most... The most what is the latest copy of the Haggadah that is known and exists today in the world? So, as for many times when we ask that question, not always, but many times, the answer brings us back to the Cairo Gniza. Why? Because in the Cairo Gniza, they were storing old documents and old svarim and old fragments for many hundreds of years, starting from around the year 900, and this continued well, well into modern times. And they were always preserved there, and the documents were not taken out of this shul, and it remained in this shul until the 1880s when it was taken out and then distribu- um, 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 consumed by many different uh, uh, universities and libraries around the world. And so the oldest copies of the Haggadah that we have come from the Cairo Geniza. Now, I'm going to put up an image of one of these copies, but I, I, don't, I, had, I need to give you a little bit of a trigger warning because it ain't a piece of beauty. Okay, so here you are. This is one page of about a collection of 15 or so pages. And if you can make out on the right-hand side of the page, the words that it says is, Halelois, Anu, Oichlin, Basar, Tzli, Shaluk, U, Mevushal, Halayla Hazeh, Kuloi, Tzoli. So what are we looking at? When we learn the Haggadah, the Rebbe uh, makes this uh, note in his Haggadah as well, that although we ask today the four questions, but there was once a different question that they asked, is Manabais, and the question was, why is it that on every night we could eat meat however we want, and tonight we could only have it roasted? So what it seems from here, this paper here, by the way, is, is dated to around the year 1000. How is this done? They look at paper and the watermarks of the paper and the size of the paper and the thickness of the paper and all this whole malacha. And then there's also a whole art of looking at calligraphy at the shape of letters and trying to determine when this was written. So this is what they say. They think this comes from around the year 1000. So that's a long time after Korban Bayes. And what we're seeing over here is that this minig that existed, Bismana Bayes, seems to, although it fell out of use in other places, including... Uh, Today we don't use this, but it seems that this question did continue uh, even after Chorben Beis Hamikdash. That's number one. Now the Haggadah continues. What's the very next word? There's a little bit of a space, and then there's a new paragraph. What's the next paragraph say? It says, "Be'ever Hanor Yoshvu Avisechem Me'olam Terach Avi Avrom Avi Nochor." Okay, that's a passage that we have in our Haggadah. However, we don't say that right after Manashtana. So just to remind you, the Seder of our Haggadah and how it's different, let me put up on the screen the Seder of how we do our Haggadah after, um, after the Manashtana. The first thing we say is a passage of Avodah Mayinu. After we say Avodah Mayinu, we say the story of the rabbis who stayed up all night until their students told them, He gives Man Krishma Shol then we say the passage of Maskirin Yitzhiyas Yisrael Ba'alelois, Rabbi Lozer ben Azariah. Then we have a drush on the Arba Abonim, the Chacham, the, the Rasha, the Tam, and the Sheni Yedei Elishel, which is introduced with the phrase, Baruch HaMokayim Baruch Hu. After that we say, Mitchila Oivde Avedu Zorah Hoyu Avaiseinu. Our ancestors initially were idolaters. Va'achshav Kervanu HaMokayim Avedosai. And now God has brought us close to him. Shenemar, what's the Pasuk? Yeshua told the people, So in other words, what they're having, they jump straight to the quote of Yeshua. We have it, but all, everything in the middle is being skipped in this, particular, uh, in this particular manuscript. This is not just a one-off, because we have the previous fragment that I showed you, the previous document that I showed you, is in the JTS library here in New York. There's another uh, Haggadah from the Cairo Gniza. This one is in the University of Pennsylvania. And uh, here we find something similar. First of all, on the top right, what do you have? 
Baruch Ata Hashem What is this? And then right after that it says Manishtana. What's happening here is there was a minig, and maybe it exists in some communities today, to make a bracha achreina after the karpas. So this is a burn of fashas that is said right after the karpas. Then you have the manishtana over here. Manishtana So you have the question of matbilin. Toward the bottom of the page, you have, if you look at the last line, chameitzu matzah, the question about matzah. And then at the top left, instead of the question about moror, and instead of the question about misubin, the question there is, So here we see a second edos for this uh, minog to continue asking the tzali question, the question about roasted meat, long after, long after the Chorban Beis Hamikdash. Then this text continues and says, the third line, the shall ben aviv malamdoi. That's words from the Mishnah. You've got to tailor the message to the child. In other words, it's an instruction. Maschil begnut. You've got to start talking about our negative beginnings. And you end with talking about the praise of the Jews, which is also the Lashon of the Mishnah of how the Agada should be structured. And this is what you should say. And what do you have? which is that passage from Sefer Yeshua that we say later on in the Haggadah that they have over here. All of those passages are being skipped. This too is dated to the ten hundreds. And these are the two oldest Haggadahs that we have today uh, that, we, that, that, that we know of. Could, now, could they have uh, come back there in a, in a further place? So, we ha- no, so the other one, in this one, we have the whole thing and they don't come back to the material that they skipped. Now the truth is, we already knew about something cooking in this regard because there's a tshuva of one of the Goinim from the 800s that's quoted in the Swarm of the Rishonim. This is Rav Nitzirunoi Goin, and he lived in Iraq in the 800s. He was the Rosh Yeshiva of Surah, which was the big yeshiva that was there. And he basically writes, I hear that there are people who after they finish the Manashtana, they don't say, Ein Oimer Avodam and they just jump. They don't even say that word, that line that we say. They don't even say that line. What they say is, In fact, the version that we saw, they didn't have those words, but it's the very next words. Anyway, he goes on to say that he is very unhappy with this meaning. You're not Yoyse. If you do this, you're a sectarian. You have to remember at this time, this was the height of the fights between the Karoim, the people who don't accept Chazal. So authority was everything at that point. And Rav Neturunoi going did not want people doing it that way. And he says that people should be excommunicated if they do do it in that way. Uh, because it goes against, uh, it goes against the Minig. What is the, the Minig that he had that we do today? It's based on the Gemara. The Gemara says as follows. Maschil Begnos from Messiah Bishvach. That's already in the Mishnah. You need to start the story of Mitzrayim by talking negatively about our, 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 our history. And then we end off on a high note. So there's a machlaikas in the Gemara. What is this negative beginning that we start with? It's machlaikas between Rav and Shmuel. Rav says we start from Rav says you have to talk. What does it mean to talk about our Gnos? To talk about our Gnos means you, you mention the fact that we had a Zayda Terach and Terach was a Eved Aved and we come from him. And then you trans- and Abishar took us and told Avram Cross the river, go on to Eretz Yisrael. And the Abishar took us out away from that, the cradle of Aved and brought us into a way of serving him. That's uh, the gnus and the shvach that a person needs to uh, say on Pesach night. Shmuel Amar says, Avadam Ayinu. What's Avadam Ayinu? Avadam Ayinu, the fire Yitzyeinu, Hashem, Aleikeinu, Misham. Now, this is, just for clarity, so we understand, Magid is a little bit of a complex thing, because there's a lot of things going on there. It's worth taking a pause just to understand what's happening in Magid. The core of Magid is a drasha on Arami Oivid Ovi. What does that mean? You have in Parshas Kisavoy, when the Yid brought Bikurim to the base of Mikdash, he would stand in front of his Mizbech, and he read, he read Vidui. Vidui would mean, he would say, he would say, Arami Oivid Ovi, Lavan tried destro- destroying my father Yaakov, and the whole story came down to four psukim that summarized the narrative and the history of the Jewish people in those four psukim. Chazals were mesakim, that when we say the story on Pesach night, rather than opening Sefer Shmois and reading Shmois Vaira and Boy, we have the whole story. No, no, no. You're going to say it on those four psukim, and you're going to darshan. In other words, there's two words there. Vayero, Asanu, Amitzrim. Oh, 
talk about that. What do those three words mean? Because that's drasha. Drasha is when you take two words in the Torah and you show how much is packed into those words. That's what drasha is. Chazal wanted us to darshan the Haggadah for various reasons. Not so again now. Why? They wanted us to darshan. And so therefore they gave us, that's the core of the Haggadah. What happened is that in Ram and Shmuel are having a discussion and they're saying that's not enough. It's not enough just to do Drasha Sarami Yevedavi, which is the bulk of Magid. You need to do something else in addition to that, which is Bifchinas Maschel Begnusim Esayim Beshvach, starting negative and ending positive. Now, the truth is that Arami Yevedavi begins negative and ends positive. But for whatever reason, we're not going to get into it now, they weren't satisfied with the Gnus and Shvach of Arami Yevedavi, and they wanted that you should have a Messiah Begnusim Esayim Beshvach in one line. So, how do you get it in one line? Mitchilo Yevedavi Dezoro within one line. You didn't even take a breath. You didn't even take a breath in between. In what? In That we were once and now we're no longer idolaters. Shmuel says, same concept. It's not enough, Arami Evidav. You have to do something else. It's also a one liner. You start with a Shvach, excuse me, a Gnos. And before you finish your sentence, within one, within one sentence. Like, it has to be worked 280 characters, get your message in, 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 in a succinct way. There, what's their machlekes? Their machlekes is, should it be about spiritual slavery? Or should it be about physical slavery? Shmuel wants it to be about physical slavery. Rav wants it to be about spiritual slavery. To Poyal, we do both. That's why our Magid has these three major components. It has the Avodah Bayinu Shtikol. It has the Mitzchila Ev David Zara Yavetsenu Shtikol. And together with that, and after that, it has what's the Ikra of the Agada is the Drasha of Arami Oyvedavi. So what Rav Nitrunoi Goyin is saying here is, we have a way of doing this. It's a Machlekes Rav and Shmuel, and we do both. And you're following just Rav. You're following just one way. And and even in that way, that opening line they weren't saying. They were going to right after that opening line. So he's not happy uh, with that. The Emes is though. That is the Yerushalmi. And the Yerushalmi only has one view. And that view in the Yerushalmi is only Rav, where it says, with Hanar So what's different in the Yerushalmi from the Bavli is two things. Number one, there aren't two views. There isn't a view that says you need to say Avodah Mayinu. Because again, you're going to get that later in Arami Yevedavi. So all you need to do is you need to have a little something before, and even that, just start with the Pasuk. You don't even need to have that open introductory line. Well, there's good reason to believe, therefore, that these two Haggadahs that are in the Cairo Knizah come from Yidin who are following what it said in the Yerushalmi. Rav Nusrunoi Goin lived in Babel, and he always held Machlekes Yerushalmi and Bavli, Halacha Kebavli, which is the way we follow today as well. And so therefore he didn't want those Jews to be following this uh, in this uh, other uh, uh, direction. Now, I don't want you to think that the Cairo Gniza only has these alternative Haggadahs. Here you have a very interesting Haggadah that's written on a, on a rotolus. What's the difference between a rotolus and a scroll? A scroll is the way Armagilla works, where you're kind of moving from right to left. This goes from top uh, to bottom. I just wanted for you to see the scope. Now we'll zoom in a little and you'll see that as Manashtana ends, about five lines in, it begins immediately with Havadah Mayinu Lefaroi. This is dated to around the year 1100. And this is the oldest Haggadah that I'm aware of that has Nekudos in it. The entire thing is Menukud. It has Maisa Barabbe Elezer. It does not have the question about the roasted meat. Uh, it just has the four questions uh, the, way, uh, the way we have it. What order? The, the order of the questions are as follows. It starts off with Matbilin, Chametz Amatza, Marar, and Mesubin. Exactly the order that we have. We'll talk. The other one didn't have all four questions. But yeah. Okay. Now, so now like this. What's happening over here? Um, what's happening over here? Uh, I want to conclude this part with a, 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 an akudah that the Rebbe spoke by Fabregen, where the Rebbe says, why is it taka that we need to speak about negative beginnings uh, on the night of the Seder? What is it? Focus on the positive. Why are you talking negative? People generally don't like to open the closet to take out the skeletons, whether they're physical skeletons or spiritual skeletons, so why are we doing it? And the Rebbe says that it's a very empowering message. And the Rebbe said this on Pesach Tavshin Yudbeis. A person knows his Maimad Omasiv, and that he's uh, been nichshel in various things, uh, forbidden things, perhaps even things that, that, uh, that, that relate to Avedah Zorah, especially considering the fact that Chassidus explains that every 
Avera has an element of Avedazara in it. So a person could be very discouraged and even ask, what am I doing at the Seder table? I don't belong here. So on that we say, no, 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 no. In the beginning, you're but within one sentence, even if one second uh, prior, a person was in a massive of but in one second, they can be transformed and to change from a Rasha Gomer to a Tzadik Gomer. It could become a massive of Achshav Kervana Amak and Lavadasa. In other words, as far as we feel, and, and, and there may be some legitimacy to those feelings, at the same time, being close is always within reach. And that's an empowering message to start off every time when we do the Seder. But Paul, these Yidin and the Cairo Gnizan who are following the Yerushalmi, that one powerful line, they didn't have it. So I don't know, maybe they were never in such a negative spiritual state that maybe they didn't uh, feel that they needed to have um, they needed to have that empowering line. I'm saying that al Okay. Okay. Um, if you, the Tzad HaShava of all three of these manuscripts, especially if you go back to, the, to this one, is what's happening here? Uh, so obviously we're long before printing. We're long before printing. I need to have Haggadah. I don't have money to, to, to pay for a scribe to write out a fancy one. I just need the basics to get it done for the Yomtev. So I hire someone or I do it myself. And uh, the lines aren't going to be straight, and the letters aren't going to be even, and things like that. But, so this is what you're probably looking at, is someone who was not a person of means, who needed Haggadah, and this is what he made, this is what he was able to create. This one's a little better, but not too pretty, and uh, this one, uh, not too pretty either. Probably a little, these are, are improvements over the first one. Um, for the, and, and this is, Le'erich Kal it would probably be fair to say that most Jews, when they used Haggadah, it looked more or less like these, until the printing press came along. And the reason I'm saying that is because the rest of the Haggadahs that I'm going to be showing you are going to be from the 1%. Meaning, these are from the 99% of people. Um, uh, very few of them survived. The Cairo Gniza, the Chiddush of the Cairo Gniza is that even things that aren't worthy of survival, it's able to survive there. That's what the beauty of the Cairo Gniza is. But other than that, you none of this stuff survived from the ten hundreds and eleven. The only things that did survive from the Middle Ages are the things of the one percent, the chashva lavish manuscripts that people realized even then that it's very exceptionally uh, special. So those things uh, they held on to, and about fifty of them come down to us today, and we're going to take a look at uh, at those. Okay, so first up is the bird's head agada. Now the bird's head agada is something that. Um, when we look at it for the first time, if it's the first time you're seeing these images, some of you it's the first time, some of you not, it's disturbing. Why is it disturbing? At least many people find it disturbing. Because all of the faces in the drawing are uh, animal faces. Uh, specifically, they look like bird, bird faces, which is why today it's called the bird Haggadah. What's the history of this Haggadah? The history of this Haggadah is it's estimated to have been written in Ashkenaz. We can tell from the script. It's clearly an Ashkenaz script. And it was written around the year 1300. So it's right in the time, the period of the Bali Atosis, right at the end of the period of Bali Atosis. Maram Rothenburg is, 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 is aging. The rush is at its prime. Uh, and right at this time, uh, this Haggadah is, 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 is being written. Um, and a lot of thought and scholarship has gone into in recent decades about the meaning of these images. But the truth is that this is not the only manuscript that comes from Ashkenaz at this time where they aren't using faces of uh, human beings. Uh, there's a number of other ones. Before Shavuos last year, I showed you some of them as well. It's not, uh, it's, not, uh, it's not just one manuscript. There's five or six of them where we see things that are similar. And we know why, because we have documentary evidence of discussions that were going on at that time. In Toysus, there's a question about, is it okay in Machzorim to have pictures of animals? Now, although the question was about animals, Toysus continues, and we know this is Toysus of Maram Rottenburg, who literally is, Toysus and Yuma is Maram Rottenburg, and we know that he's in Mamish at this time. He writes that there is no issue of when it comes to uh, um, uh, images that don't, have, that don't, uh, that don't stick out. 
Um, meaning, if it's an engraved image where it's indented, or if it's uh, a 3D image, that's where he has a problem with it, and uh, he thinks that there's a Gemara, I don't want to get into the whole sugya, that we're worried about Shad, that if you have this thing at home, people are going to say, maybe you're Eved Aved So this is a discussion that he's having. What you're seeing is, there was a very real discussion going on at that time, uh, what is forbidden under Leis HaSel Chafesel, and what is not forbidden. And although here, there, the discussion is about animals, but... There's a discussion in Tosis Avedizara about the face of a person. And Tosis writes, the parts of Adam, Asur Lachta, and Asur Lachta, you're not allowed to make a face of a person. But then it goes and says, but if it's, if it's uh, the, paper, the things that we're making uh, in, in, in embroidery and things like that, it's mutter. Why is it mutter? Because we don't make a full face, we only make half a face. What does Tosis mean when he says we only make half a face? The Pashas, that it's not a frontal image, it's a profile image. And because of that, you're not going to worship. People aren't worshipping profile images, so it's less of a shash. What I'm trying to show with these sources is that at this time in Ashkenaz, there's a big discussion about is it okay to paint faces, animal faces, human faces. And it's also clear that human faces are more severe, more strict than animal faces as well. And when we look at the fact that we have six or so manuscripts that... Some of them make faces without eyes, nose, ears, or mouth. Some of them, the artist did, and we see someone else later came and erased it. Some of them, we see animal faces. So then, it becomes pretty clear, we, we think we understand why this is happening. It has to do with this halacha, about something that we take for granted as permitted today, The lav dafke was always understood to be permitted. In terms of the image that you're looking at itself, on the left-hand side is the baking of the matzah, and on the right-hand side is the poking of the holes in the matzah, which is basically the same procedure uh, that looks today, the, the pretty, pretty similar procedure that's happening today. Those who are wearing the hats in, the, in this image, the three people on the left, are wearing what was known as the Judenhut, which was the hat that Jews in Germany had to wear at this time. We spoke about this in the class before Purim. And so the men are wearing that hat as well. And on the right side are three women, and the women were not, uh, did not used to wear uh, that specific uh, that specific hat. Okay. There's a little closer uh, to see uh, to see what we're talking about. Now, here I'll show you two more pages from this Haggadah. On the left-hand side is the scene of Har Sinai corresponding to the Song of Dayenu. And I showed this to you before Shavuos. If you guys were here, maybe some of you remember. Um, you have all the way on the top left a hand with two fingers coming out of a cloud, handing two tablets to someone who's standing on a mountain, and it says next to the mountain, Har, and on the other side of the mountain it said Sinai, but Sinai was clipped off um, because the edges frayed, so that's the part that goes first. Um, so that's Moshe receiving the two luchas, and this is the first instance of a round luchas in Jewish art. Uh, Non-Jews started depicting the luchas in Europe as rounded tops, around this period of time, a little before, and then it seeps in slowly into Jewish art, and as you're well aware, the Rebbe um, spoke about how uh, we should move uh, back to the way it actually used to be, because it's pretty clear from the Gemara that they had flat tops, they were square and had flat tops. Under Moshe receiving the Luchais, we see the same person, in the same color cloak, so you have to assume it's the same person, Moshe, handing what's five books down to the next two, uh, five tablets. And as we explained then, Shavuot's time, here the message is, that the Torah, the Messiah, isn't just Ten Commandments, that the Messiah is Ten Commandments, but in the Ten Commandments you have Marumas Kol HaTorah Kula. To the right of that, you have someone who is roasting a Seh, it says Seh on top of a fire, and this is the Karben Pesach. So the way I see this is Torah being translated into Maisa Bepoil. Okay, so that's what you have on the left side of the page, where the Dayenu song talks about Kervanu Lifnei Har Sinai. On the right-hand side, the image is a little less clear. You have a discussion in the Dayenu about the Mon. And so there's an image of the Mon coming down from heaven. You have two hands coming down from heaven and a whole bunch of colorful pieces that are landing. And two Jews with the hats are collecting this Mon. And the Mon is in different colors. I'd like to think that the different colors of the Mon is a remez for the Medrish that the mon could taste, although it was one thing, and it, looked, it had the same look, each piece had the same look, and the author must have known that. So why is the author making each piece different? I think it's to convey the idea that um, it could taste. It could taste so differently depending on what a person's subjective desires uh, uh, were. Now, fine, so here you have uh, imagery, imagery of what's going on in the Haggadah, on, in the margins of the Haggadah. And by the way, kind of welcome to say, there's a big difference between the Haggadahs from Ashkenaz 
And the Agod is from Svart. The Agod is from Ashkenaz. All the images are in the margins like this. And in Svart, it's a different story as I'll show you soon. Now, there's one more thing I want to say about this image. And that is, I couldn't help but think, looking at this, and assuming this person knew a little bit about Yiddishkeit, and based on the points that I've so far made, I think I'm arguing that he does. Uh, th- there's an interesting medrash that we should think about when you're looking at this spread. Because you see on the right hand, Mon. On the left hand, Ma'an Torah. The Medrash in the Mechilta says, The Torah was given for Drasha, which means to learn it well, to be able to darshan what the true deep meaning is, only the Why only the So the beer in this Medrash is that it takes a lot of time and a lot of patience to study Torah. Allah has come to darshan in Torah. And the regular person who has a regular job, it's almost impossible to do it. They were so free, they didn't have to worry about their food, they didn't have to worry about their clothing, so they had the peace of mind, they were able to study, and study in a most rigorous way where they're doing drasha. Fine. So this is perhaps a remez to this message when you see these two images being juxtaposed one next to the other. Now on that note, the Rebbe once asked, why in the world will the Mechilta teach us this? At the end of the day, we don't have the month. That's a very depressing uh, teaching to say that that's not a helpful or encouraging teaching for me and for you. So that explained it must be that there is some relevance for everyone. So what is the relevance for everyone? So the Rebbe says that this Medrash is teaching us that a Yid has the Kayak that in those few minutes that we do learn Torah, that one hour that we do learn Torah, those five minutes that we do learn Torah, we have the power and the obligation to assume the mindset of the Oich Le'aman, where we're able to successfully remove all the daigas that we have from earning a living, and to say, for these five minutes or for these 60 minutes, I'm going to be Oich Le'aman. And if we didn't have this ability, if God didn't give us the ability to be able to adopt that mindset, then the Mechulta never would have taught something, because if it's completely irrelevant to us, then it wouldn't have been presented uh, to us in this way. I'll show one more spread from this uh, Megillah, uh, excuse me, from this uh, Haggadah, and that is on the left side where it's discussing the Matzah, you have the scene of the Yidden leaving Mitzrayim with the Matzah. In other words, what am I saying? All the way on the left, there's a man with a stick who seems to be leading the Jews out, and behind this person, you have a whole bunch of people with dough on their backs. With a, some, it looks like a stick and dough wrapped around the stick. And then a little further to the right, there's someone handing out the dough. So it looks like this is the scene of the Yidin, which is mamish what the text on the left-hand page is discussing, the Yidin having to rush out of Mitzrayim uh, to bake the matzah. Okay, fine. Reasonable enough. On the right-hand side, the image is interesting. It's pretty clear that the image here is Paroi chasing the Jews. You have in the front someone on a horse with a flag, which is how a military marches. Behind that, you have a person on the horse with a crown. That must be Paroi. Notice it's not animal heads. It's not animal heads, but it is blank. It is blank. Behind that, there are two animal heads. We're not going to get into that. And behind that, you have a wagon with, uh, with another flag. This looks like the scene of Paroi pursuing the Jews. Okay, that also is, makes perfect sense to be in the Agada. There's one problem. Uh, the text isn't talking about that. The text here is saying, it's not talking about pursuing the Jews. Pursuing the Jews at the sea only happens later in the text of the Haggadah, in the Dayenu song we talk about Kriyas Yamsuf, and later you don't have it here. Um, in fact, the image that you look when you see, because it's one spread, when you look at this image, it looks like Pyra is chasing the Jews as they are putting their dough on their shoulders and going out of Mitzrayim, which is historically inaccurate. Paroi only starts chasing them after three days. And they baked their matzah on Tezvah. They went out with the raw dough. They went and they baked it later that day at the first stop. There was never a moment where Paroi was chasing Jews who had dough on their shoulders. So this is interesting. You could just say, and it's totally fine to say, that's whatever. It was Mr. Medayek as an artist. I'm an artist. He found empty space. He put an image. And there's... I'll give you a 90% chance that, that that's a possibility. So 90% chance that's a possibility. But there's someone who speculated. Maybe, maybe, maybe you have over here a remez to what Yidin were living through during their time, in the year 1300. What were Yidin living through in the year 1300? As we know, during this kufa, it started in the 1170s in, on continental Europe and France and in Germany, where they would accuse Yidin that they would use blood in the, in the matzah. And this would happen very often. There are so many blood libels that happen that we Pasha don't even know of today. And even if you go by the ones that we know of, there were just so many of them. And this was a very common accusation. 
So if the artist giving a little bit of a remez to that trauma that they're living through, we are the people on the left. We're trying to make matzah. And these are the Gentiles, the parais, who are pursuing us and chasing us and making it difficult for us and hounding us and hurting us for creating the matzah and libeling us in this regard. Uh, it's a tempting theory. It's a tempting theory. And uh, I wanted to give it some airspace here in the room this evening. Maybe it's by Yibishalach Kawasam chasing them out. They weren't chasing them out on, on horses and wagons. We never saw... As far as I know, we don't have sources that say... Yeah, so that's... They come in pajamas in the middle of the night. We all know. He comes, he comes to the house, and they say, leave. The idea that there was a military thing chasing these and outs, the hepechobi I don't, I don't, I don't think uh, we had that. Huh? What's the mix the mix of the thing with Yeah, so the... Someone wanted to say, just like the eight of Rav the, that are with that are with Paray, that were they were the people who went out as Jews, but then they came back, and now they're coming with. So it could be that's a reference to that. Okay, uh, we're moving along. Yeah. 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 Gershom and Thraim, absolutely. They, they were told they need to leave right away. But I think there's a big difference between being told you need to run right away and creating a whole military formation chasing these and out. I don't know of any mocker that says that. And again, it's hepech of biyod drama. So I don't think that's the. I don't think our tradition says that this happened. Ah? Even if you say it's two separate papers, it doesn't help because the image doesn't make sense on that page. So you still have a shayla because that page does not talk about pirate chasing the Yiddish. They Okay, I made the case for my way of uh, uh, <laughs> of doing it, and let's move on. Yeah, I said I gave you a ninety and ten, so let's work within the ten. Okay, now uh, let's go weiter. Um, I I, I want to show you another one or two from Ashkenaz. Here you have a page from what's called the Ashkenazi Agoda. This is today in the British Museum in England, it is, uh, this Haggadah is from later. The birds had Haggadah dated to around the year 1300. This is dated to the mid-1400s, the mid-1400s. It's very lavish, it's beautiful. You could also tell when you're looking at these pages that it was heavily used. You could see the wine spills. This is the pages of Kiddush. You could see the wine spills that are on this. Indeed, it's very common for these Haggadahs to have be very dirty and messy, which is their, which is their beauty. But I want to call your attention to the images on the left hand page. Here you have the Yaknahaz, so you have and the, the guy sitting on the left is looking at his nails. So although there isn't a candle there, that's the meaning of looking at the nails. But let's focus on the image that's below this. So this is actually a shtickle famous. Even people who aren't so familiar with the world of these Haggadahs know about this vart that I'm going to say now. As you can see, there is an interesting image here of two hairs or rabbits, that are being chased by four dogs, with someone leading the hunt with a, uh, some instrument that he's using to, to blow the instrument, presumably to encourage the dogs to chase the rabbits and the hares. And the obvious question is, great image, what does this have to do with the Kiddush on Pesach? What does Bechlal have to do with Pesach? What does it have to do with Pesach? So it is true that there is some art in Haggadahs that is Bechinah's grotesque which means it's just there to catch your attention, so whatever, it keeps you entertained. But this is a little funny. If you look at the next Haggadah, this is called the first Cincinnati Haggadah, dated to the same place. And um, this is in the Hebrew Union College in Cincinnati. And uh, here, also on Kiddush, Mamish, the same page, and you have a very similar uh, image here. You have two hairs in the front, and then behind that you have three dogs with the same image, with the guy running after them. So what's Pshat? What's going on over here? So someone figured this out. It wasn't, I don't remember exactly when and where, but someone figured this out, that in German, you say a hare hunt as a Jagen has. Jagen in Yiddish means to chase. <laughs> Jagen means to chase. And has is a hare. Jagen has. So Jagen has. So it made a lot of sense. You put the, yeah, so I thought that was wonderful. <laughs> now I'm going to show you an update about this soon. But now we're going to move to the world of Spain. In the world of Spain, they did things a little differently. The way they did it, we have many of these Haggadahs, they begin with art. 
and they have these panels of image after image after image that say the story of the Jewish people, and after the story of the Jewish people is told in art, then it goes to the actual text of the Haggadah. So I'm showing you now a spread from the, what's known as the Golden Haggadah, also in the British Library in England. And here is the spread of the Makas. So on the top right, you have Svardeya. I'll show you a closer-up of that in a second. To the left of that, Shechin, it, it moves from right to left. The bottom uh, right page is Oroid and Dever. And then on the right side is Shechin, Borod, Arba, and Makas Choshech. You can see in the bottom left, it's black in the upper part of the image. And the lower part of the image is the Jewish people entering a home and taking things, which is what the Medrash told us happened during uh, Makas Choshech. Bechlal, one of the things that interests me is the, is the art that conveys ideas from Midrashim that are not Pesedish and Tereshim Asad. And there's a whole, it's a whole topic and class for itself for another time. Here's a closer up of the uh, Tzfardeya uh, image. You can see Paray on the left. You can see the frogs on the right, and here you see another medrash right in front of our eyes, because the medrash about hitting the tzvardeya, and then the other tzvardeya is coming out of that larger one, so size, not so much, but the idea, he is clearly hitting the tzvardeya, and there are three frogs that just emerge from his body. So that's the tzvardeya. On the left you have the kinim, makas kinim, and you may be able to notice, besides for the, uh, the marks that are on the Egyptians' faces, the women in the top left corner are holding combs. That's a very good way to convey kinim life. You need to get a comb to get your kinim out. Um, the next spread is the end of the makos. And what you have on the top right is makos b'choyres. You can see the, um, uh, the mourners leading a funeral procession on the top right. The top left is the Jews leaving Mitzrayim. I'll show you a close-up of that in a second. Um, the bottom right is the Egyptians pursuing. The next image is Kriyat Yamsov. You see the Egyptians in the water as the Jews pass through. And then you get an image, not of Az Yashir of the men, but you get an Az Yashir of the women. The, uh, Miriam's song, Together with the Women. I'll show you a close-up of that in a second. Uh, and then something amazing happens. The biblical story stops. And so you would think, that okay, stop, you end it. No, what this uh, artist does, and this is for all of these Haggadahs, do the same thing, it seamlessly transitions into images of how they observe Pesach in their day. And on the top left, you have what's called the distribution of Matzah and Charoises, which we're not going to talk about today, though maybe next week we'll talk about that. And then under that, on the right, you have a cleaning of, uh, for Pesach. I'll show you a close-up of that. And then on the left, you have an image of the preparing of food and kashram of Caleb for Pesach. So I think what's happening here is uh, they're putting themselves into the biblical narrative. It's not like there's them and then there's us because there were other people in the world who didn't call themselves Jews who wanted to create that division. There's biblical Israel and then there's you guys today. What they're doing is they're putting themselves as one continue, one hemshichiyut to the biblical story. Let's have a closer look at some of these images. Here is the image of the Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Why are their hands up? So there are images of thanking Hashem in many of these manuscripts. Usually it's with the hands together like this. Uh, very rare like this. So the answer comes from the words at the top. The top of that image says the words, Uvnei Yisrael, Yoitzim, Biyad Rama. Now, what does Biyad Rama mean? Biyadrama means they went out with pride, they went out openly, they weren't being chased out. Right? That's what Biyadrama means. That's what Mepharshim says. But you go literal, Yadrama means a, an upward hand, a hand uh, flying in the ear. So uh, this is what the artist chose to do. I thought that was pretty clever. Uh, here is this, the women doing the shira. You see different uh, instruments that they're holding. Uh, and the two women on the right are dancing. Um, fascinating image. Huh? Here is the cleaning for Pesach image that I showed you before, and there's an expression that says the more she, things uh, change, the more they stay the same. Uh, this, she's cleaning the ceiling. The ceiling doesn't have chametz, okay? The ceiling, you don't have to mop a ceiling before Pesach. People do it today, and people did it then in the year 1320. This is dated around the year 1320. This was always uh, uh, something. The man here is doing bdikas chametz, without a yarmulke, but that's another story. Um, and he has a boy and girl with him, but the woman is mopping the ceiling. Here is, the pr uh, here is the preparation of the food. 
Okay. Here, you'll take a picture after this. Okay. Here you, um, here you have the preparation of, of, of food. Someone mentioned to me that there's a, there was a Svardisha custom to daske eat lamb on Pesach, not during the Seder, but over the course of Yom Tov. So we can maybe investigate, and that may be what we're seeing on the right side. And on the left side, the caption tells us, if you go back to the caption, it says, this is Hachsharas Kalim. So you have a man who is putting kalim in a pot that's over a fire to do Hagalah. The concept of two dishes, two sets of dishes, didn't exist at this time, which is why there's so, uh, Pesach, Hilchas Pesach is full of, of, of the halachas of kashering kalim, and here you have the kashering of kalim. After you finish these images, then you move into the text of Haggadah, the Heilach Ma'anya, etc., etc. I'll just show you one sample page from inside this Haggadah, beautiful calligraphy, uh, you can see here why it's called the Golden Haggadah, because it uses gold uh, pretty lavishly, and because it's talking about Mara, it presents what Svardim used for Mara at the time, which was lettuce, and it presents a piece of lettuce on the actual page. So, what did I show you so far? I showed you three things. I showed you the manuscripts from the Cairo Gniza. I showed you Ashkenazi artistic agadas. I showed you Svardi artistic agadas. And this brings us up till the year, to the late 15th, uh, late 15th century, meaning around the, year, the 1480s. By this time, the printing press kicks into motion. And because the printing press becomes relevant, all of a sudden the manuscript industry, industry gets, uh, gets, gets uh, hurt. And uh, the commissioning of manuscripts stops for a good few hundred years. And we start moving to the print of the Haggadah. So what is the first printing of the Haggadah? So the thinking now is that this is what's known as the first printing of the Haggadah as far as we know today. A very, very plain and simple print that was assumed, this, the assumption is this was printed in Guadalajara in Spain, 10 years before Jews were expelled from Spain. Jews were expelled in 1492. This is from 1482. How do they know? They don't know. There isn't a colophon. There isn't an exact date here. So it could be it's wrong. The reason they assume it's 1482 is because they analyze the paper and there's watermarks in the paper. This time already companies that are producing paper are putting watermarks. So there you can figure out who, if you know from other places, who used what watermark. And that's how they came up with the year 1482 in Guadalajara in Spain. There's some interesting minhagim that you see here in, uh, in, uh, in this Haggadah. I'm showing you here the page of the, of the core of Magid, meaning the beginning of Magid, the, the Manashtana with the Avodah Mayinu and the Baruch HaMak. And maybe we'll come back to this in a second. Could be also this one looks very similar to the, the type. Not the elaborate one, but the simple one that the average guy was using. So in, in, in handwritten or as, as handwritten. a handwritten? I'm saying this is a, a, a printed version of that like brief style. Yeah, as far as I know, we don't have any simple manuscripts from the 1480s in Spain, but it's, it's possible. It's possible. Now, here's the thing. This, uh, this Haggadah, there's one copy of this in the world. It's a copy of this in the world. It's in National Library in Israel. So there was a guy, a Chacham, a few years ago, who figured he could make some money. He got his hands on 15th century paper. There is, you could buy such a thing. He paid good money for it, got the paper. He went online, he downloaded the images, and then he printed those images on the 15th century paper, and then he put it up in market. He said he found the second copy of this first print of Agada, and uh, he put it. The Kitzer experts came, they, they busted him. They busted him. They, they have ways of dealing with this. Okay, now, the Rebbe refers in his Haggadah, here's a, the title page of the first print of the Rebbe's Haggadah in 1946. Uh, the Rebbe's Haggadah in uh, New York was printed. The Rebbe refers to the first printing of the Haggadah on two occasions. Number one, the Rebbe has a discussion about the proper order for the four questions. And the Rebbe brings all the different sources that discuss the proper order because there are different orders. And what the Rebbe mentions, if you look at the top left, the Rebbe writes, that the custom that we have, the first Haggadah that was printed, Sansino 1485, which is not what I told you before. Okay. Uh, another time, the Rebbe refers to the first printing of the Haggadah, and that has to do with the language of the Shailah of the Chacham. There's a big problem with the language of the Shailah of the Chacham, because the Chacham is supposed to be a good guy. But the language of his question is, Hashem is you guys. One second, that's the Russia. The Russia is the one who said, you guys. Okay, so a lot of commentary has been written on what is the difference between the Chacham's question and the Russia's question. The Rebbe notes here that there are versions that in the Chacham's question don't have Eschem, although the Pasuk of the Chacham has the word Eschem, but there are versions that have the word uh, uh, Oisanu. The Rebbe says that this is in the Yerushalmi and the Michilta and the Rambam. 
state, and therefore the Chacham is including himself. No problem. And then the Rebbe adds, These are the two times the Rebbe is referring to this Haggadah. Okay, this Haggadah from Guadalajara, 1482, was discovered and became known. It was in private hands. It, became, it was discovered and became known in the 1960s. So when the Rebbe was working on his Haggadah, this was not part of the discussion. In fact, what the Rebbe says here about, the, about Oisanu, if you go back to if you go back to this and you look at the Shaila of the Chacham, okay, it's, it's in the paragraph in the left-hand page, Baruch HaMakoim, you see, it says, Chacham HaOemer, Mo'edus HaKum Eshvan, Sh'atif HaShem Ekenu Eschem. So this is not the, this Haggadah does not have the Oisanu that the Rebbe says is the, so clearly the Rebbe is not referring to this Haggadah, and again, no one knew about this Haggadah in the 1940s. Uh, there was another Haggadah that was known uh, in the 1940s. And that's the Sansinos. The Sansinos, we spoke about them in previous classes. They're the printers who were active in Italy in this time, in the 1480s. Mamish, the first few decades of print. And here is Agoda that we think they printed in 1486. 1486. Here's the Helach and the And if you look at the order of the Manashtana, okay, that's not so controversial. But if you go to the next page and look at Chacham Oimer on the left side, so this is a candidate to be what the Rebbe is referring to. This is in the JTS library here in New York. Now, this, this, we'll talk about it in a second. This Haggadah, we don't know when it was printed. Why don't we know when it was printed? It was found bound together to a Siddur. So here's a page of the Siddur. The Siddur has a colophon at the end that says it was printed in the year 1486, clearly. So the Siddur is 1486. The Haggadah doesn't have a colophon. Someone, no one knows who, bound it together with the Siddur. But they're so similar. The sizes are similar. The fonts are the same. Uh, it's just so similar, uh, the two, that therefore the assumption became the Siddur is 1486. The Haggadah must be a 1486 Haggadah as well. But I'm still wondering if this is what it is, and why is it ever writing 1485? Okay, so it turns out this too, although it was in the JTS library for a very long time, it wasn't a very well-known uh, manuscript. There's something else. We have another option. That same year, in 1486, the Sansinos printed a Maxer, a Maxer for Rome. And in this Maxer, where they have the prayers for the whole year, they also put Haggadah. The, it's the same text as the other one. The Chacham question on the bottom right is Oisanu, is Aysanu exactly the way the other one is? And this one has a colophon. What's the colophon say? The colophon says that they began printing it in the year Reish Vav in Tishrei. Reish Vav in Tishrei is 1485. They finished it in 1486. I think that what was happening... And this one, a facsimile, was printed in Berlin of this in the 1920s. So I think this is what the Rebbe was referring to. And people probably spoke about it sometimes 1486 when they finished it, sometimes 1485. If you're trying to sell it, you're probably going to say 1485 because then it sounds like it's older. So it could be that um, uh, some people refer to Dafka as 1485. This is, uh, so now I showed you the, uh, uh, the earliest uh, printings of Agatha that are what we call incunabula, that is printed Svarim before the year 1500. Those are the most chashve in Yonim of print. What's the first printed Agada that gets imagery? Remember, the manuscripts had imagery, so it was soon to be that the printed ones would get imagery as well. Interestingly, these images here come from the Cairo Gniza. So in other words, sometime in the 1500s, this old uh, Haggadah was deposited in the Cairo Gniza. There's only a few pages of it that are left. But what you notice here is that it's similar to the panel style of the golden Agada that I showed you before. On the right-hand page would be the beginning of Agada. It's going through the Makos. The bottom has uh, Makos borrowed. These are woodcut images where you uh, make a, a, a shape in a woodcut that's protruding, and then you put ink on it, and you push it down against the paper, and you get yourself an image. This was the new way of doing it once they had a print. And the halal is the end. Th these are not the same page. In a bound book, the right-hand side is much earlier, and the left-hand is much later. And here's another page, and you see the same thing. Uh, uh, it's, the, it's the other side of the same page. Again, you see these panels. This is very similar to those panels that we know from the Svardisha Haggadahs, and it seems that this was done in a printing press. No one really knows exactly where, no one really knows exactly when, 
because there is no date, it's only a few pages, but based on all the things that we've been discussing, it's estimated to be around the year 1500, 1505, 1506, something like that, printed uh, right after the Jews were expelled from Spain, either in Constantinople, in the Ottoman Empire, or in Italy. And what's amazing about that is just, there's a story behind this. There are Jews, they just left Spain, they had a whole tradition, and they're trying to rebuild that tradition into a new Haggadah that they're printing a few years after uh, Girush Svart. Okay, but when people think about the first printed, decorated Haggadah, most of the times people refer to this Haggadah, because this one is a full print job. It's the Prague Haggadah 1526, a really beautiful piece, and it has different images along uh, the way. So, for example, Baruch HaMach and Baruch Hu has a man thanking God. Again, two hands uh, in the ear. Uh, a Chacham, that has a picture of a Chacham. The Rasha has a picture of a military person. There's a long history going back to the manuscripts. When they wanted to depict the Rasha, they would always have a guy with a weapon. That was the way uh, Jews would refer to Rishoim. The Tom here is just the regular simple uh, person. Here's another page of this, uh, of this Haggadah. And I want to call your attention to Mitzchila Ebdavid because I hope you didn't forget that we spoke about that earlier. And I asked the question, why are we mentioning this negative thing about Ebed Avid Well, the person who printed this Haggadah, he thought that in addition to being someone who knows how to print, and in addition to getting calligraphy together and art for woodcuts together, he also thought that he was smart and he could give a nice commentary. And so he put Ha'ara on the side of Mitzchila Ebed Avid What does it say? It says, Chas v'shalom sha'aveseinu Ebed Avid God forbid to say on our ancestors that they served idols. El hapirush, you know what this means? Because our ancestors recognized God, and served Him uh, with awe. So, it was Avedo Zara, it was foreign to the Goyim. <laughs> That's what Avedo Zara. Our Zedas were such good monotheists that it was so foreign to the Gentiles. So something was honestly bothering this person. He didn't appreciate the idea that we're maschil bignos, and so he created this medrash. There is no mucker for this attitude or for this idea or whatever it is. I didn't go through all of these things, but when you see one like this, usually there's a sign you're going to find another few gems. So um, uh, it's probably worth going through the rest of the Agada to see uh, what some of his other uh, ha'aris are. Now, this is Prague 1526. If you move along to uh, a few years later, in 1534, in a place in Germany, uh, Augsburg, there is this uh, Haggadah uh, that's printed. I don't have a color image of it. And this is, print- this is the Colophon, all the way. At the- it says, Gimel Shvat Elef Hashishi Shnas Chaim Bar David. So that's Hamachoykek. Hamachoykek means a carver, printer. You have to carve out type. Chaim Bar David, if you do the math, that comes out to the year I told you before, which is 1534. Um, 1534, he has Haggadah. I want to show you one thing about this Haggadah. Here you have Kiddush. And it's also Havdalah, it's Yaknahaz. I don't think you're surprised to see that the idea before transferred over here. And you have a guy on the right side with his shoifer. You have the dogs. You have a, this time you have a net that's catching rabbits. And look, these rabbits, they're going to be caught right now in that net. They're dead. Behind them are dogs. In front of them is a net. They're over. They're kaput. Next page of the Agodah. Continues, Yachnahaz. Oh, look what happened. They're on the other side of the net. They're on the other side of the net. This is a new innovation in this saga of Yachnahaz. What happened here is as follows. Rather than it just being a joke about Yachnahaz, the imagery of they're chasing us, we're trying to get away, and we got away, that becomes the story over here, which is very much a Pesach Dika story, and that seems to have taken over uh, the meaning over here. In other words, what I'm arguing is that it seems that, and others obviously have said this, it seems that at a certain point, uh, this Yaknahaz image becomes an image of Yidin see themselves as the rabbits that are running away from the aggressors, and that's what they're para, and we're running away, and we, we, we made it. We got it through. We, although it looked like we were totally dead, uh, we, uh, we survived. Okay. Let's continue. Here's the last part for tonight. The last part for tonight is a printing of the Haggadah. We're moving forward. Now we move into the 17th century. And in the 17th century, you have a fascinating printing of the, in the beginning of the century in Italy, in Venice. Venice at the time is the New York City of the world. And so they're importing everywhere. And printing is there. 
And so the same Haggadah is printed in three languages. On the right-hand side, in the left-hand side, it's the same title page. But what's different is, that is the Pirush going to be written in Italian, which is the right-hand side, or is it going to be in Yiddish, in Ashkenaz, which is the left-hand side. But both are for the same year, from Shin Samach Tes, which is 1609. And there was a third language, Ladino, was also uh, uh, printed at the time. It's surrounded by images. Here is a bigger shot of the process of of baking of baking matter. Okay. If you go into this Haggadah, you see it still uses this Masaira about Yaknahaz. You see this is a big Masaira. You're not allowed to uh, go away from this Masaira. In the Yaknahaz you have over there, in the base, which is an initial word, a design, the guy with the shoifer, a dog, a rabbit running away, but we're only down to one dog and one rabbit. Okay, fine. Now, 16, this Haggadah is a bestseller. What happens is, that it sells out, and we need to have a reprint done in 1629. And so here you have a reprint done in 1629. As far as I know, also again in all three languages, Italian, here is the title page for the Italian one. But it's different. Notice the title page here has four images around it, or, or actually six images around it. Here, title page, totally different. So it's going to be different. There's going to be some similarities. It's going to be different. Um, you move into the next page of this Haggadah, and you have a, um, those same six images that were before on the title page are now on this page over here. And what you have over here is an introduction by Yoda Arya of Medina. And what he's doing here, this rabbi who lived in Venice at the time, he is introducing what's unique about this 1629 edition that didn't happen before. What is that? Abarbanel wrote a pirush on the Haggadah. It's called Zavach Pesach. There's one problem with Abarbanel's pirush. And it was with all of his pirushim. He wasn't blessed with the gift of brevity. He didn't know how to be makatzer. His farm are very, very long. They go on and on and on. You want to have his pirush in your Haggadah, your Haggadah is going to be the size of a phone book. So what did Rabbi Yehuda uh, Arya Medina do? He wrote a condensed version of Abarbanel, and he printed it in this Haggadah, and wisely called it Sli-Esh. Why Sli-Esh? Because when you roast a shtickle meat, it starts like this, and then uh, condenses, right? So Sli-Esh. So he's going to do that, but it tastes better. He's like the same thing. He writes this in his Akdama. I'm going to roast it, condense it. It's going to taste a lot better. Okay, so he writes this uh, thing. This is the 1628. Now, why am I showing this to you? Because I want to conclude with uh, uh, something that, we, uh, that uh, was, I think this was more or less just discovered in, uh, in the Rebbe's library. I'd like to bring that into the conversation here. From time to time, I'm in touch with them about different images to use in different uh, publications. I saw on their catalog, it said that they have a Venice Haggadah of 1629. Oh, I said, please, can I see the Venice Haggadah from 1629? I, I very much like to use some of the images. Anyway, uh, it turns out that uh, they sent a few pages. And as you can tell, here is the page uh, on the left-hand side from the Rebbe's library. Very damaged. Why is it damaged? This is a story. We've been down this road before. This was found in the binding of a book. It was very common during this time to take an old safer and you use it to form the spine of a sefer. So, in the 1970s, they went through many of the Svarim in the Rebbe's library, and they found Svarim in Svarim. It's a known phenomenon. All libraries in the world have it. It's called Books Within Books. There's been many fascinating finds that have been discovered in this way. So this and another few pages were found in the thing, and it looks like the 1629 Venice Haggadah. Why? Because it has Yoda Arya of Medina's introduction here. So, it's got to be the 1629 um, edition. There's one problem. If you look closely... There are ma minor variations between the page on the right and the page on the left. So, for example, look at the Yehuda Aryeh Mimodina, Yitzchak Zal. Look at the next line. Hagdama Lepirush Sli Eish. Compare on the right and compare on the left. That's not the same font. That's not the same. The words are the same. Look at Aaron. Look at the picture of Aaron on the top, le top left corner. In the Haggadah on the right, which is the known 1629 edition, Aaron is facing uh, to his right. In uh, the one on our left-hand side, Haggadah, the one found in the binding of a book, Aaron is looking to his left. What's going on over here? And if you look, the line breaks are not the same. Look at the, that big paragraph of text. On the right-hand side, it's one paragraph. On the left-hand side, it's two paragraphs. This is very, uh, look at the bottom image. Do you have the caption on top, divided in two, or on bottom, on two lines? It goes on and on, very minor. All the words are the same, but it's minor variations. And this continues page after page. Here's the Avodah from 1629, the known edition. Here's from the Rebbe's library found in the binding of a book. Again, there are no... Look at the design of like the six boxes, on, uh, uh, the, the design in the right column. That design is not there in the 1629 uh, edition. And the caption, is it under the photo or is it on top of the photo? 
This is a picture of Avadim Ayinu, the Jews slaving away in, in, in Egypt. This pattern continues. Here's the page of Dikas Chamis in the 1629 edition. Here is from the Rebbe's library, the binding, the same page. And you can see there are some differences. Uh, let's see, which one should we talk about? Look at the crowns. In the bottom right, you have the crowns. In the left hand, you don't. By the way, even the arch at the top is different. On the right hand side, there are the, these three knobs. The left hand side, you don't have those knobs. When, when, okay. when some of the photos are identical, means that the printer had the same woodcut. He had the actual original woodcut. Yeah, L'chayra. that's what it means. If the pictures are identical, it means the same woodcut. So what's going on uh, over here? And here you have it again, one last page, and these are the pages that I was, this is the last one. Meister um, Lazar, again, subtle differences. So it's not, what, the, what we have over here is not 1609 Venice. 1609 Venice didn't have the Pirish of the Tzli'esh, so the can't be that. 1629 is a problem. We know what 1629 looks like, and it's not that. There was another print in, 17, in the 1700s, there was a print, but I checked, it doesn't match that either. So no one knows for sure, Again, ninth, but Rabbi Levine in the library said, after going through all of these things, his best bet is that we're dealing with the printer's galleys. So what does that mean, the printer's galleys? When you have a vision for your printing of your book, you always do a dry run, you test it once, you see how it looks on paper, they're like, nah, 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 we've got to change this, we've got to change this, we've got to change this, right? And then those papers become garbage, which is why they would end up in the binding of a book, and therefore that would explain why there is no copy that uh, resembles that. Now, if that's true, so for most people, it's like, who cares? But it's actually a very rare thing. To have galleys from a, 16, from a 17th century book uh, is very uncommon, almost unheard of. Uh, so that actually makes these papers quite unique just because of, uh, uh, just because of that. So what I hope to have achieved in this, um, uh, in this uh, presentation here is to kind of give you a general history of the Haggadah from, you know, as far back as we can trace, bring it into the era of print, which is what we did. There's obviously more of this type of story to tell moving into the 1700s, 1800s, but if some of you here last year, we kind of covered those two centuries last year, so we don't need to go back there. What I'd like to do next week is, now that we have this background, I want to look at individual images in many of these Haggadahs and see interesting Minhagen that we may have forgotten, that maybe don't exist anymore, uh, uh, that we're able to learn from uh, some of these images. So that will hopefully be the Esat Hashem next time. Yes, okay.